Hello everybody. Um, thank you very much for choosing to join me today and uh, this is the final in our series about senior cats, a topic um, very very dear to my heart and, and uh, I'm guessing also to yours. Thank you for joining me to talk about this. As always if you want a copy of the slides I've used just drop me an email. Um, the address is on this slide um, but today we're going to finish the discussion and hopefully draw the threads together by focusing on um, what I would suggest, what I would recommend in terms of preventative health care. In other words, how we can hopefully going forwards provide the best level of care for our, our very special uh, elderly cats. Okay, so, um, sorry, I'll just, uh, I think someone's not on mute. Let me just mute a few people. Some things are more in my control than others. Um, so what do we mean by the term preventative health care? Well, this is something that is not only applied in veterinary medicine, but also very much in our own medicine. And it's all about strategies that hopefully avoid us from becoming ill. And it does cover a huge amount of territory, um, including from a veterinary perspective, vaccinations, diet, flea and worm treatment, neutering, all those sorts of things. But the thrust of this presentation is very much the life stage uh, preventative health care, focusing on that older cat, because this is our older cat series, what extra uh, attention is um, worthwhile for those um, age group of cats. And the aim very much is to identify and manage problems, ideally, before they even become too evident to our patients. So we're talking about picking things up at the earliest possible stage, what I call early diagnosis and as I've put on this slide early diagnosis can mean diagnosis of an illness before it's really apparent so using screening tests to look for common old cat illnesses and identifying them at that early stage but it also to a certain extent is something that as a vet we're um, having all our tentacles out really looking for clues when we speak to the carers of an older cat for things that perhaps they've not realized are significant in an older cat but we as clinicians know that they are for example if we notice some weight loss that that perhaps has not been spotted at home I know very much that the, the sort of people that tune into these sessions are you know, superb clinicians. You're not just carers of cats, you are really, really on the ball. So you will be doing um, all of those things that, that I do and hopefully the tips that I'll give you today will, will help to extend your skills uh, further really in terms of knowing what to look out for. Um, and a really, I think a useful take home message actually is that if you spot something has changed in your cat's behaviour or their health, um, then always, I think, consider it possibly significant. So don't just brush it under the carpet. Um, note it down somewhere. Speak to your vets if concerned, because often uh, cats are very good at hiding signs of illness. Illness tends to develop quite gradually. Um, so if it comes to a point where you've spotted something that is different, even if it's just in the way your cat behaves towards you, it probably is significant and should not be ignored. So the aim of all, of all of the things we'll talk about in this session really is to try and pick up problems at the earliest possible stage so that we can have the best uh, possible outcome. 
and this is the example of uh, preventative healthcare in ourselves. So I, I've blanked out all the personal details here. Um, but if you live in Scotland, then um, about, uh, I don't know, two or three days after your 50th birthday, you get a letter from the National Health Service inviting you to send them a sample of your poo, uh, which is looking for um, very microscopic amounts of blood, which might be consistent with bowel cancer. And this is an age-related health, um, preventative health care test that is therefore used in people. And it's, of course, uh, doesn't matter what gender you are. This is male and females over the age of 50 in Scotland. I believe in England, it's over the age of 60. So there are differences regionally. Um, but essentially, uh, this means that uh, depending on what age you are, you may well have experienced some preventative health care yourself, which relates to your age. And the intention, of course, of doing these tests is that we do find, um, uh, well, we hope not to find anything wrong, but that if we do find something, we have a better chance of resolving it. And there are some illnesses that are quite common in older cats and that are actually completely curable. For example, dental problems are very common in older cats and can potentially be completely cured. Hypothyroidism, depending on the treatment available to you, can be completely cured. So we can completely reverse that illness but even in those illnesses where we can't cure them um, very often there is an advantage in terms of diagnosing earlier as to how well our patient does in other words they tend to have a better outcome live longer happier healthier lives which is of course what we're all after and for me as a clinician I find this aspect of healthcare really rewarding because often because our old cats our old uh, pet cats are so this is uh, an opportunity to work really closely with the carer and you get the in my view the perfect team the a team uh, looking after that cat because we have the carer who is highly motivated very bonded very keen to do the best for their cat uh, obviously myself with the same ideal and we can work together um, and it can be I think very rewarding even when you're dealing with incurable diseases this is um, a paper that was published a few years ago, which um, I may have shown in some of my other cat cafe sessions relating to kidney disease. It's, it's definitely one of my favorite papers to look at um, in that it, um, it illustrates how a very simple test, which is body weight assessment, can be helpful in diagnosing severe illnesses like chronic kidney disease. And in this study where uh, more than 500 cats, uh, data from more than 500 cats was included, the researchers had access to uh, the cat's body weight going back for several years and they found that weight loss was very frequently seen actually for several years leading up to the diagnosis, so a clue that something was wrong. But the reason I'm highlighting it uh, today is also because they they, uh, another finding in this paper was that the outcome of the cats diagnosed with kidney disease was better when they had a higher body weight at the time of diagnosis. And um, a logical conclusion, um, it's not proven at this point, would be that the early diagnosis before the cat has lost a lot of weight gives you a better opportunity to provide um, ongoing care and the cat to do well than unfortunately if it's presented to us or diagnosed only when uh, the disease 
disease had, has advanced to a very serious stage. So I use this, this data here really to support also um, the fact that I think early diagnosis is going to have a better outcome for my patients. So how can we do this early diagnosis? How would I encourage you to think about this in your cats? Well, um, as I've already uh, alluded to a little bit earlier on, I think it's all about life stage appropriate care. So in other words, certain age triggers um, should trigger in us and uh, by us I'm talking about the clinicians now um, a change in our approach to our, our patients and the different sort of assessments that are likely to be helpful and the guidelines and recommendations that I follow and strongly advocate are those that were developed by the charity International Cat Care website icatcare.org which is on this slide and probably be very familiar to many of you because uh, the charity has existed for a long time it was previously called the Feline Advisory Bureau. Uh, it's been around for I think more than 50 years now and has done a lot of great work to advance our understanding of, of cat illnesses. And some time ago they came up with some life stage appropriate guidelines for care of cats. And so the next thing we need to just briefly revise is what are the life stages uh, of cats and this is the International Cat Cares chart that shows the different life stages which are kitten, through to the super senior. Um, so that's the left hand column. And then in the middle, we've got the age of cat that corresponds with each of those life stages. And in the right hand column, the age, uh, human equivalent age. And that's quite a handy thing because if you remember my um, photograph of the bowel screening letter from the uh, Scottish NHS, that uh, is an initiative which starts when you're years old which looking at this now is about a, a nine-year-old cat um, in England it's when you're 60 which is an 11 year old cat so that's you know the sort of age uh, equivalent cat equivalent age where uh, we're thinking of preventative health care as well and so particularly interested really in the three stages I've put in the right hand side the mature uh, the senior and the super senior expecting most illness to be um, uh, more most frequently seen in those latter two categories but recognizing that during the mature life stage also things can start to change so that's a good time point, I believe, to start your age appropriate uh, healthcare tests. So what ICAT Care recommend um, is, is uh, now going to be presented on this slide and also ICAT Care have a separate website which is called Cat Care for Life, uh, the website I've put on the, the slide as well, it's Cat Care and then a number for uh, life. Um, and you'll be able to uh, read their guidelines on there and download their information if that's of interest. So up to the age of seven, um, ICAT Care recommend that um, where possible, all cats should have an annual health assessment, which is very much what vets would naturally uh, recommend to their clients anyway, and that that includes discussion of all the normal preventative health care, so diet, vaccination, weight checks, etc, etc. And that is a, a very standard approach, which I think has been uh, commonly followed for, for many years, and, and with many cats having annual vaccinations, it's a straightforward time to do that assessment. But where things start to change is once the cat reaches the age of seven. So for that mature age category, cats aged seven to ten, the recommendation is that whilst we don't need to see them more frequently, we should, where possible, do a more detailed health assessment on that annual check. So if possible, 
um, assess blood pressure and also collect blood and urine samples to screen for common old cat health issues and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. For the senior age group, that's cats age 11 to 14, the recommendation is that where possible we should now see these cats more frequently. So if we can see the cats every six months rather than every 12 months um, and continue to monitor their blood work, urinalysis and their blood pressure um, as before, but also little change is to include a T4 test in the blood tests and the T4 test is a test for hypothyroidism and overactive thyroid gland. And then lastly for the super seniors, um, ICAT care's recommendations actually don't change from the senior, um, but I would say that um, if you don't have an ability to monitor your cat's body weight at home, uh, or if you are really wanting to get reassurance that everything is, is good in your cats uh, in old age, then there is justification for a three monthly check uh, for the super senior cats. These are cats aged 15 years and over. If you do have some scales at home and can monitor body weight and you know that you will contact your vet clinic if you see any change or any concern then in that situation the six monthly check is still fine um, but uh, as I said if you don't have scales I think it's reassuring to get a body weight check at the very least every three months. Why is this so important? important. Well, we've spoken um, in the last few weeks about some of the very common old cat illnesses and this slide just really aggregates some of the prevalence information we have for these illnesses. In other words, how common are they in the, this age group of cats? And as you can see, um, we have some conditions that are incredibly common in our older cats. So chronic kidney disease estimated to affect at least a third of older cats. We have osteoarthritis, which also, at least radiographically, estimated to affect more than 90% of our older cats. So uh, almost every old cat will have at least some arthritic changes on an x-ray. Whether or not they uh, need uh, further help with that is, is a different question, as we talked about in a previous session. Hypertension, high blood pressure also very, very common. So estimated overall to affect more than 20% of our seniors and, and super seniors. Um, but is particularly common in association with certain illnesses. So um, between 20 and 60% of cats with kidney disease, uh, 10 to 20% of cats with hyperthyroidism. So again, a lot of older cats that will have this combination of problems. Um, and last time we spoke about cognitive dysfunction syndrome, and that also is very common. Um, and whilst that's a diagnosis of exclusion, of course, our health assessment is often very helpful in picking up clues of this. So if you look at the numbers on this slide, you can imagine that um, if you've not already cared for an older cat in your life, uh, when you do, it's very likely they're going to have at least one of these issues because they are, they're so common. And the good news is that they're helpful things that we can do to support feel downhearted that or worried that your cat may develop one or more of these problems um, just be aware that they are there and uh, that hopefully uh, we can help them 
So what does a, a senior CAT consultation involve? Well, the first step is to take a patient history. Um, we then want to examine our patients. Um, we want to measure blood pressure where at all possible and also where possible uh, collect blood and urine samples for analysis. So we'll go through each of these in turn. The clinical history where we gather data um, to help us understand uh, whether or not there are any problems or concerns in the cat is always extremely important and this involves us typically asking lots of questions about health and behaviour to try and build up as detailed a picture as we possibly can and understand whether or not there are concerns and if there are concerns where those perhaps lie and in older cats we want to particularly ask questions about behaviour in view of cognitive dysfunction syndrome and other conditions like hypothyroidism that can affect behaviour. We also want to ask about mobility because we know arthritis is so common, um, visual deficits, problems with the eyesight related to high blood pressure. So there are certain questions which wouldn't necessarily be a priority for a young cat but are very important for our, our senior and super senior cats in particular. This is where questionnaires can be very helpful and I, I have shown you um, screenshots of my health questionnaire in the past but just a reminder of uh, what this involves and you can download this from the website it's in the free downloads which are under the, the helpful info uh, top menu and in the vet section and uh, it's called the health questionnaire and checklist for elderly cats and provides just a template really a reminder of the sorts of questions that um, vets and nurses uh, I think should be asking or discussing with you but equally provides you with a checklist of what sort of health issues to keep an eye out for at home. So for example have you noticed any change in your cat's appetite, their thirst, their weight, their ability to eat, um, all those sorts of things and then on the right hand side uh, we have a mobility um, section which also covers some behavioural changes seen with cognitive dysfunction um, and therefore gives clues as, as to uh, what to look out for there. For example, is the cat showing any difficulty or hesitation, uh, jumping up or jumping down, using the stairs less, sleeping in different places, all those sorts of things can give us valuable data on which to understand whether or not uh, the cat has got uh, any painful mobility problems, for example. And in the osteoarthritis presentation a few weeks ago, we talked about mobility assessments in the clinic, which are often quite difficult because, of course, we can't trot our cat up and down the corridor. Uh, we can't ask our cat to walk around the room and show us how they are. And, and even worse, we can't ever say, is it ever painful moving around? So we have to use whatever strategies we can and the clinic I visit has uh, built some steps into the side of, of the clinic uh, wall and so in the area next to where the weighing scales are these steps then appear and what we find is that the older cats actually will just choose to come down the steps and so we can often get some partial um, mobility assessment uh, within the clinic even though it's it's obviously not perfect and if this topic is of interest to you uh, have a look at the osteoarthritis webinar which was a couple of weeks ago. 
Moving on to the physical examination. So uh, this very much complements the history and gives us extra data. And we're looking again for clues, clues of some of these common old cat illnesses. For example, uh, the picture here shows me feeling uh, the neck for an enlarged thyroid, what we call a goiter. And in a healthy cat, we shouldn't be able to feel the thyroid gland. But if a cat develops hypothyroidism, uh, an overactive thyroid, then very, very commonly the thyroid will be enlarged and we will be able to feel it by feeling the neck very carefully. And some of these thyroids actually can be extremely large. So even occasionally cats will come in and uh, the carer will say to me, I felt a lump in my cat's neck. So they sometimes are very large, mainly though they're very pea-sized. So you need to feel quite carefully to be able to find them. Blood pressure assessment also uh, has been mentioned, looking at the mouth for evidence of uh, dental disease, other common health problem in, in our older cats. Um, listening to the heart um, is helpful often because cats with hypothyroidism again tend to have a very fast heart rate and some conditions like hypothyroidism and high blood pressure often are associated with a new heart murmur. So if, a, if we hear a new heart murmur, there's not been a heart murmur in the past, uh, then that would definitely want me to make me want to check blood pressure and also consider the possibility of hypothyroidism. Feeling the abdomen, palpation is, is the, the medical word for feeling things. So abdominal palpation is feeling the, the tummy for any lumps, enlarged organs or changes in, in uh, shape of any of the organs like the kidneys and whether they are painful or asymmetric. Uh, they should be, of course, both kidneys should be the same size and shape can all again help to give us clues. Blood pressure assessment is uh, the first thing that we should do of any hands-on techniques because we want to minimize this what is now called situational hypertension previously called the white coat effect but this is where handling and stress can increase our patient's blood pressure so uh, whenever we want to assess blood pressure in a cat it should always be the first thing that we do and of course in as calm and cat friendly a way as possible and uh, there were three sessions of, uh, about hypertension in May which are on the website on the video tutorial page so have a look at that if that's of interest to you and you weren't able to attend at the time. Weight monitoring is, uh, as I've already mentioned, really helpful, really important. And so if you don't have scales at home, this is where I think the regular checkups, particularly for the very elderly cats, are really important because although it sounds uh, a very vague uh, indicator of ill health, um, it certainly is the case in my experience that if a cat has lost weight and that was not intended, in other words, the cat has not been on a weight loss regime, uh, then it is concerned and it should not be ignored, however small the weight loss appears to be. So it, as very dedicated carers of uh, older cats, I would say it's worth investing in some scales so you can monitor your cat's weight at home and you can often get scales online from Amazon uh, and so on for uh, around about £30, so not too expensive and uh, uh, therefore gives you an ability to monitor your cat's weight at home. I would always say just to, in terms of calibrating scales, some, some of these scales of course are likely to be 
more or less reliable than others but if you put on some tins or bags of flour that you know have a certain weight you can check that your scales are reading accurately and of course if concerned at all about your cat's weight always speak to your vets. I've put some guidelines here in terms of frequency of weight checks um, that you might want to consider. Of course, if your cat has a known health condition, then follow your vet's advice as to how frequently to do that. And whenever you do see weight loss, if, if each weight record is, is lower than the last one, then you know that that is, is definitely not something to be ignored. It does indicate that, uh, that there is an issue, unless of course your cat is on a weight loss diet. Um, but you can see this cat on the left, very, very thin, has lost a lot of weight and also some muscle mass, which makes things even more concerning. In line with body weight monitoring, we also look at what's called body condition score, which gives you an idea as to whether the body weight is appropriate for the frame of the cat. Um, and that was covered in more detail in a previous webinar, uh, which was uh, in fact the first of the, the older cat sessions uh, on the 2nd of July. So again, if you didn't uh, tune in for that one at the time, then there is some more information on weight monitoring, body condition scoring, muscle condition scoring uh, during that session. When to worry about weight loss? Uh, well, definitely if, it's, if there's a downward trend and it's not intended, that is always a time to worry. Um, we can look at percentage weight changes as well. Again, more information on that in the presentation highlighted on this slide. Um, if your cat has lost muscle condition, that would always be a time to worry as well. And if in doubt, I would say just speak to your vet and take their advice. The end of my uh, patient questionnaire just shown here and just uh, summarises uh, some of the uh, examination um, uh, checklists for us. So listening to the heart, uh, feeling the tummy, assessing blood pressure and there's space to record all of these things. So again, that might be uh, useful reference material and it's part of uh, that same document that I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier. Collecting and analysing a urine sample is extremely helpful and I would say alongside weight measurement actually urinalysis extremely extremely helpful and for our older cats actually often it's pretty straightforward to get what's called a free catch urine sample. This is where we confine the cat with a litter tray that contains a non-absorbent cat litter so rather than the typical cat litter we use something like the cat core beads shown on this slide um, uh, other uh, varieties are available as well, but basically it's a non-absorbent cat litter. So the cat has something to scratch about with in the litter box, but when they pee, uh, the urine just forms a puddle in the tray and in the cat core kit there is also a test tube and a pipette so you can collect the sample and ideally drop it off at the vet clinic as soon as possible for analysis. For many older cats, even if they don't normally have a litter box available to them, they actually don't mind uh, using these uh, substrates and they usually will produce a sample within a few hours. Um, so it's, it's often much more straightforward than you might imagine. And the wonderful thing about urine testing is that it is uh, very quick, very straightforward to do the key tests, which as a screening test are going to be to look at the urine concentration. So how concentrated or dilute the sample is. That's a measure called the specific gravity and also 
to do a dipstick uh, to look for presence of glucose, sugar, in the case of diabetes mellitus. That's our very, very broad brush, uh, initial important things to do. Um, and uh, the key parameters that we're looking at as important here, um, or the key um, interpretation that we're looking for is for a urine-specific gravity uh, to be um, above 1035 as an indication of normality. And if you put your urine drop onto the refractometer, which is that uh, instrument on the, the bottom of the slide, and then direct your, your uh, put your eye next to the eyepiece and direct your refractometer towards the light, you'll see a picture like the one on the right hand side there. Uh, essentially, you see a, a blue uh, fluid line. And although it's a little bit complicated in terms of the uh, number of scales here, the specific gravity is on the right hand side. Um, and in this example, it's about 1033. That 1035 cutoff I mentioned uh, is where the red dotted line is shown. And so um, ideally healthy cats, we want them to have a urine specific gravity above 1035. Um, if the urine specific gravity is below 1035, um, then that in my view um, is often uh, an indicator of concern, unless there are certain treatments that the cat is having like diuretics or perhaps a liquid diet for other reasons, uh, which may account for that urine being more watery uh, than would normally be the case. And the key contenders in terms of illnesses that result in a reduction in that urine-specific gravity for the urine-specific gravity to be below that 1035 cutoff uh, would be chronic kidney disease, hypothyroidism, and diabetes mellitus. And if you have a low urine-specific gravity and glucose in the urine, um, then that is uh, pretty much going to be because of diabetes mellitus. Um, but for your kidney diagnosis of kidney disease and thyroid disease, you will need to do uh, further tests to actually confirm that. Which brings us neatly onto the blood tests and where possible uh, associated with these life stage appropriate healthcare checks, um, it is an advantage to collect some blood for health screening. And again, the aim here is to look for common causes of illness in older cats, um, which um, are manageable or completely treatable. And therefore we find them at an early stage and we get a best, the best possible outcome for the cat. So ideally we do a broad panel in this and many of the uh, reference laboratories have some really good wellness panels for older cats that capture all of the, the hit lists that I have on this slide. But essentially we want to look at the red blood cells and the white blood cells, which is what we call the hematology, check for anemia uh, and other abnormalities there. On our serum biochemistry, we're looking at organ function, so how the liver and the kidneys are working, whether the blood salt levels are normal, the blood protein levels are normal. And then lastly, as a, a hormone test, an endocrine test, we have our total T4, total thyroxine test, uh, which is the screening test for hypothyroidism. So in a perfect world, we run that broad panel. Um, if running that broad panel is, is too expensive, then um, often what uh, clinics will offer is a pre-anesthetic profile, which just selects certain key things uh, from each of these profiles um, is a really good start. And then if we have abnormalities on that, we may need to, to do further tests, but if the pre-anesthetic profile is normal, probably you're fine. And uh, of course, hopefully we find everything is absolutely fine in any case. But importantly, if we do find there's a problem, um, we're in a good position to help uh, manage that. 
So why again is this also important? Well, I think what I would call subclinical um, illness that's below the radar, it's not making itself apparent. Uh, subclinical illness is, um, I think, very common. I'll show you a little bit of data to support that in just a moment. Um, and many of the illnesses that we're talking about in our older cats are really treatable. Some we can completely cure, but even those that we ones that we can't, we can improve quality of life, we can provide pain relief for severe osteoarthritis for example. Uh, we can manage our hypertension, uh, reduce that blood pressure and protect eyesight and brain function in cats with high blood pressure. Um, we can completely uh, reverse hypothyroidism if we have access to either surgery or radioiodine. So there are a huge potential benefits in terms of identifying these illnesses and hopefully that all leads to uh, a win-win situation all round and, and also a win for us as clinicians because you know, it makes our life uh, really rewarding if we <clears throat> too can feel that we're, we're helping the lives of uh, our patients. Cats are very good at hiding signs of illness and uh, in case you didn't already know this, uh, they make our life difficult spotting things which is why for example osteoarthritis quite difficult to spot because we, cats don't tend to go out for a run every morning or go for a walk with us um, so therefore uh, a cat that is less active, a bit more sedentary, particularly if it's an older cat, you know, might well just be interpreted as, as normal behaviour for them uh, when in fact actually the cat has adjusted its lifestyle and it's no longer scampering up trees or climbing up the fence because of chronic pain. So this does make it really hard for us to spot but that's hopefully where health questionnaires and discussions with your vet clinic can really help to, to find these situations if, if they are there. And um, often the, these uh, clinical signs do tend to creep up on you as well. So things like weight loss day-to-day um, -day can be invisible for us as carers to see at home. And I'm speaking from experience as a carer as well in that my uh, very elderly cat several years ago, um, I didn't appreciate how much weight he'd lost because uh, at home I was seeing him every day. I wasn't seeing a big change, but every few months when I put him on the scales, I could see, oh, actually yes you have lost a lot of weight so it's it's very hard um, to uh, so don't blame yourself is what I'm saying if you don't spot these things but uh, the more you can keep your eagle eye on your cat the better sometimes also clinical signs can be confusing uh, so again speak to your vet clinic if you see any change because hopefully they can help solve the mystery there for example toileting accidents often uh, carers may feel well perhaps the cat is developed incontinence it's an old cat when in fact it's the cat's arthritic and it can no longer reach the garden in time and therefore has started having accidents in in the home um, so cat they do make life tricky for us and challenging for us um, but uh, it, it, it is possible to sort all these things out. So I promised a little bit of, of evidence to support how common um, uh, illness is in older cats. And the, the data that uh, I'm going to share is from a study I was involved in, which was actually quite a long time ago now, about 15 years. Um, and I was working with a colleague um, who's a veterinary ophthalmologist, and she wrote um, Caring for a Blind Cat, which is one of the books on the Vet Professionals website. And she wanted to study um, eye disease related to diabetes 
diabetes in cats. And uh, you may know that diabetes in, in some species causes quite severe eye changes. People can be very badly affected. Dogs often get cataracts. Cats don't seem to be as badly affected, but uh, up to this point, no one had really looked at them in a very critical, um, well-constructed study. And so that was the purpose of this study. And so Natasha um, asked for my help to recruit some of these cases. And we recruited 21 diabetic cats and 21 cats uh, that did not have diabetes. They, they were to be our age-matched control cats because importantly, we wanted to have some non-diabetic non cats of a similar age to the diabetic cats to make sure that if there were any ocular changes in the diabetic cats, they weren't just there as an age-related finding uh, that we could say with confidence, this is due to the diabetes. So the age-matched cats were all, uh, more or less all, senior and super senior. I think there was one 10-year-old cat that's in the mature life stage, but the others were all senior and super senior. So our target population for these life stage checks that we've been talking about. And they were cats that I'd, I'd met in the clinic. So they'd uh, cats that I'd vaccinated, cats that I'd seen. And as far as I was concerned, and as far as their owner was concerned, there weren't any current health concerns. The cats weren't on any treatments. Um, they would seem to be doing fine and you know there was no worry about them having vomiting or weight loss or anything else like that so we hoped that these were our healthy control cats to compare to the diabetic cats and what we found was that in fact it looking exclusively at those healthy control cats um, a third of them had an abnormally low urine specific gravity so their urine was more watery than it should be a third of them actually had what I would call a borderline result, which is between 10.35 and 10.40. And a third of them had very normal results. So uh, certainly at least a third that were abnormal in that test. Also, we found that 14% of our control cats had high blood pressure. So if we hadn't screened their, their blood pressure as part of this study, uh, these cats potentially may have suffered from uh, blindness or other consequences of their high blood pressure. Uh, but thankfully, we now were able to treat that and, and protect the cats. And then lastly, on the blood tests, we found that actually two of the cats, 10% of our control population, had mild uh, but very definite hypothyroidism. And about a third of the cats had chronic kidney disease. And as you can see uh, from the, the statement at the bottom, one of the cats actually had really quite serious kidney disease. In spite of the fact these cats all had fabulous owners and as far as the owners were concerned and also you know I'd seen all of these cats within the last year let's say um, and we'd all thought the cats were fine. So this was really interesting data that opened my eyes really to the importance of preventative health care that um, it, this illness it very much is out there. And we also found there was a benefit also in the, the diabetic cats that went through this study in that um, whilst the diabetic cats had had a very health, thorough health assessment when their diabetes was first diagnosed, some of these cats had been diabetic for several years and actually several, several of the cats, three of the cats, had now developed hypothyroidism. So um, it was really helpful to find that tissue because again we could treat it and particularly for the cat with the T4 level over 200 that is quite severe hypothyroidism uh, we were able to immediately um, amend the treatment to the benefit of that cat so it's a, a reminder for me that you know things 
diseases don't stay still with time, new things happen. So we need to just keep our eyes and ears open for any changes. So subclinical illness is common. Uh, more recently, I've been working with Ingalls uh, Vet Clinic in Scotland and uh, trying to really encourage uh, as many of the owners of older cats to come in for checks. And what we tend to find with the, the mature life stage, the seven to 10 year olds, is that it's quite hard work getting um, carers to bring those cats in because if they perceive them to be completely well, um, they, uh, I think, you know, are, um, reticent about um, bundling the cat into a carrier and bringing it to the clinic which I, I totally understand. Those that do come along uh, very much like the checkups and perhaps are more likely to come along for these checks which are offered as, as a free service to the clients uh, through the nurses at Ingalls. Um, those clients that come probably are actually also some some of whom will have niggling doubts. So maybe it's, it's the excuse to, yes, let's get this checked out. And you can see that actually about a fifth of the cats uh, we found have had need of further veterinary attention. For the older cats, 11 to 14 year olds, probably about a third of those cats, um, we've been able to pick up significant health problems. And for the super seniors, 15 years and over, more than half of those cats uh, coming in have had significant health problems which have benefited from, from being identified. There are often a number of reasons why uptake of these senior clinics is not as good as uh, vet clinics might hope for. And these are the sorts of reasons that we often hypothesize might be why carers don't uh, you know, take up the opportunity to come in for a checkup, even if it's offered as a, as a free of charge service. Be very interesting in the discussion afterwards to hear your thoughts on these, whether you agree, disagree, or have uh, other suggestions for me. I'd really appreciate you sharing them uh, in the chat box or, or by unmuting yourself at the end. Um, but these are the sorts of things that we certainly worry. Well, perhaps people don't want to come because they don't realise that actually we, we can help the cat. Um, and perhaps it's because of worries over the stress or uh, the cost of procedures. Um, perhaps it's because they genuinely think the cats are fine. And therefore, uh, again, why, why put the cat in a cat carrier and come into the clinic? So it's certainly something that I think as a profession, we've got a lot of work to do to try and ensure the best possible standard of care uh, for our patients. But my vision going forwards is really as much as possible to really embrace the iCat care guidelines and make it normal for cats to have these older cat assessments in the way that it's normal for us to get our letter from the bowel cancer screening service uh, every couple of years, I believe, uh, after the age of 50 um, to keep an eye on our health and just hopefully that will all lead to better care of cats and the cats that now are already living often to their late teens or 20s hopefully you know we can we can stretch that even longer and as long as we can maintain quality of life I think that will be a wonderful outcome as well. So as usual, there are some other resources on the website. Um, the free downloads include um, uh, how to collect urine samples from cats. So that might be something that is of interest if that's not something you've had to do before. Um, of course, there's the book uh, as well that I've mentioned. Um, and uh, I will be very, very delighted to take your questions. Um, before I open up for questions, just to say that this is the, the last session for a little while with the Cat Cafe. Going to have a break in August uh, to read 
recharge and then return in September. So we will put some information out on the website and on Facebook. And uh, uh, if you're on our database, if you signed up for newsletters, we'll let you know what the future timetable is and how to access uh, those sessions. But also don't forget about the recordings in the meantime. There's uh, obviously quite a few recordings now in the Cat Cafe session. Um, and if you're a, a veterinary professional uh, watching this, then there also are some top tips, uh, 10 minutes tips rather, for veterinary professionals also available on the video tutorial page. So hopefully plenty there uh, to, to keep you busy for the next few weeks. Thank you again uh, for tuning in and I shall now be extremely happy to take any questions you might have. Thank you very much. <laughs>